to Restoration Basics. This is the Preparatory Podcast. My name is Sam LaJordison, and I'm joined with my two good friends here. I'll let them introduce themselves. Andrew Smith. Ooh. <laughs> Ow. I'm Jason King. And uh, we are going through chapter by chapter in the Book of Mormon. Uh, we are in um, chapter 12 and 13 today of the RLDS version, closing out the Book of Mosiah, and really excited to... Woo. To get to Alma. Um, pizza party after this, boys. Yeah. That's right. I think we've mentioned before we have a pizza party on all, <laughs> after each book. The small books were really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so much pizza. <laughs> but we are going to talk about um, Lamanites today and being sent to the Lamanites um, because these chapters are pretty short. And uh, I guess I'll sum it up real quick. Previously on the Preparatory Podcast, we covered uh, Mosiah chapter 11, and in that was Alma the Younger's conversion experience and the Sons of Mosiah's conversion experience, um, which has prompted them to minister to the church in the land of Nephi um, and to build them back up after all the damage they had done and try and repair the bridges and really work for the salvation of their brother and the Nephites. Um, In chapter 12, the Sons of Mosiah, um, who is the king, they go to their father and they say, we need to go to the Lamanites. And um, I'll let um, Andrew, you read um, their plea kind of to their father um, because they've got some strong language, not vulgar, but strong in how it illustrates um, their emotions and their feelings on the situation. Um, if if you want to read two through um, six, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um. Yeah, it just it jumps right into what they're saying that they might preach the things which they had heard, um, and this is why they they want to go, and that they might impart the word of God to their brethren the Lamanites that perhaps they might. I, I love that perhaps not even for sure. Mm-hmm. Like the the love that they have for them is is so great that the perhaps is enough, you know. But perhaps they might bring them to the knowledge of the Lord their God and convince them of the iniquity of their fathers. Again, just as we talked about in the last two episodes, they needed their eyes opened and and they believed that they could be an instrument in God's hands to open their eyes because they had been a part of a sinful life in, in, in their past life, as we covered in the last chapter. That perhaps they might cure them of their hatred towards the Nephites, that they might also be brought to rejoice in the Lord their God. They might become friendly to one another, that there should be no more contentions in all the land which the Lord their God had given them. Now they were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature, for they could not bear that any human soul should perish. And that's one of the most uh, we talked about one of the most popular stories. This is one of the most popular verses in the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really speaks to the love that they had for their enemies at this point. Jesus brought that message of of radical love in in a way where you are supposed to love everybody, even the people that hated you and persecuted you. And this is lived out in their life right here. It's it's um it's easily seen that they they could not bear the thought of any human soul perishing, and and it leads them. To this, yea, even the very thoughts that any soul would endure endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble. 
and then it says this this is this is the spirit of the lord working in them for they were <laughs> they were the vilest of sinners as it says in verse 7 mm-hmm. so that that's what they they come to their father and and ask of him i i think it's um it like you said it's a popular verse that um they were so desirous for salvation to be declared to the lamanites that they trembled they couldn't take the fact or they couldn't couldn't bear the thought that the souls should endure endless torment and they knew that since they were the vilest of sinners and um, that the Lord had saw in his mercy to forgive them and to, to let them repent. And they wanted that to be given to everyone. And so today on our episode, I guess I'll, I'll finish summing this up that Mosiah doesn't really want them to go. And so he kind of talks with the Lord and the Lord says, let him go. Many, many are going to believe on the words that they preach and there's going to be a lot of good done to them. And so Mosiah gives them their blessing and they depart back into the land of Lehi, Nephi, where we just got out of uh, after the past chapter. So the only Nephites left in the land of Lehi, Nephi are now the wicked priests of Noah and Amulon and now the good missionaries. The who are under the Lamanites. Yeah, the, who are with, yeah. working with the Lamanites mm-hmm. and then the sons of Mosiah. Um, but today I thought we'd just talk about um, kind of the the fact that the Lamanite or the Lamanites were who the sons of Mosiah wanted to go to and how we, we don't see a lot of that in our day and age today. Um, maybe a few of them, maybe, maybe people are willing to go to far off lands. Some of us here have been to Africa and other countries, but we've never been to a place that is actively trying to kill us <laughs> because that was the danger of sending his sons to the Lamanites. That's why Mosiah didn't want them to go. What do you think causes the sons of Mosiah to say, they talked a little bit about it, like they don't want the souls to be in endless torment, but what do you think that they just overcame their fear and said, we got to go? Or what do you think prompted this thought to even take place? The first thing that comes to my mind is um, way back in the first book of Nephi, when Lehi takes of the fruit of the tree his first reaction was to turn and give it to his family. And, you know, we have that verse we talk about, perfect love casts out all fear. And it's really um, maybe not them overcoming their fear, but it's it's that that fear is gone because it doesn't matter. Uh, fear is rooted in pride. And, and uh, they, I mean, they don't have that. They, they've just been humbled to the biggest degree because they believe they were the vilest of sinners. They know in their hearts they were the vilest of sinners, just as Paul says, as another commonality between Alma and the sons of Mosiah and Paul, is that he said he was the chief among all sinners. They they believed the same thing, you know, they had this experience. Um, the love in and in their heart and a combination of that and the humility that they had um, instantly brought them to think of other people. And they're not even thinking of themselves at this point. They don't even care. Um, they, they say, God had this love for me. I'm a bad person. I was when I was left to myself. I don't want anyone else to be left to themselves. So I'm going to go. I mean, it's, there's not even a question at that point. In my mind, uh, they, there is no fear for them because they're not thinking about safety. They're mm-hmm. thinking about the Lamanites and, and how much they, they care for them. Do you think it's, uh, what would the equivalent be today 
if we wanted to put it in today's terms of like, hey, these are the Lamanites, these are our enemies. Uh, I mean, we don't have a natural group. We don't. Yeah, yeah and so, don't. I mean, maybe politically, maybe Republicans would say Democrats, Democrats would say Republicans. Um, but, but even then, they're not trying to kill each yeah, other. Yeah, they're not trying to kill... Uh, well, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's nothing as drastic as the Lamanites and Nephites in which there's this age-old war between two clans, you know? So it really depends on the person in my mind. Again, I this is speculation. I don't mean to preach this like fact, but my opinion is probably just depends on the person, you know? Like mm-hmm. uh, the Lamanites for you might be on a different scale that the Lamanites were for the Nephites, but your Lamanites are still your enemies, you know, kind of people you don't get along with or the people that believe different than you do or the people you just don't like hanging out with, you know? I think uh, that's a different type of love when you've overcome the even the people you don't want to be around that you're like, okay, I want to be around them. There's yeah. no one you don't want to be around because you don't want them to miss the opportunity to mm-hmm. um, hear the gospel and to repent and to feel the same love that you've had. There's also a side of complete unselfishness for their life, which you talked about, um, in that their, um, their ministry has turned from receiving and hearing the word taught to them to now let's give it to everybody. Very unselfish in that regard. And I, 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 a real short testimony that I have, um, in that same vein, and I don't mean to compare myself at all to what's going on here, but it is a same kind of transition in my life was it was my my last year at a mammoth camp, a senior high camp down at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. And I felt, I I don't even know how, I felt downtrodden, you know, throughout the whole week. I was asked by someone if I wanted to be administered to, I thought, eh, sure, might as well. Uh, what harm can it do, right? I, I didn't have a, even a real problem. And yet I'm, I, I felt bad, you know, and so I, I accepted and I was administered to twice. The first time I was told by by two people that I really respect and really care for, and I know they took this administration seriously. One of one of the men said in that administration, Your time for receiving is is over and, and your time for giving is about to start. And I was like, What kind of what is going on? you know? And it it, it it was just that it was it was a transition in my life and and i found since that time that my testimonies aren't about me being broken and god reaching into my life and saying here's this great blessing because he has done that in my life several times and it's transitioned more to when i'm broken or when i'm hurting it's because I'm not serving people and it's because I'm not giving as I should give. And God's made it very clear that, I mean, that can be fixed if I'm doing what I should be doing. And uh, and it's, it's a level of responsibility. I think in at least uh, the sons of Mosiah here is that they're given a higher level of responsibility as that they, they, yeah, again, they don't think of themselves. They're responsible. They feel responsible for others, too. Yeah. I, uh, Columbia's doing, as a branch, is for the Sunday school hour, um, BJ the pastor has, instead of having one person teach, um, he's usually asked three or four people, or two to three, two to four, somewhere in there, to talk, uh, to share. And we all have the same topic, and it's been faith. 
And so I just, Zoe and I just shared this morning, like 20 minutes each, but it's been like six Sundays in a row where each person. And so this isn't important, but it's all prefaced in the fact that you can, the theme is faith, but with so many people talking, you can really go anywhere you want as long as it's about faith. And, um, in my I didn't really know where to go, but I was looking for, um, a good story and, uh, inspiration from that. And I came across the sons of, um, or the, yeah, the sons of the people of anti Nephi Lehi who had made a covenant and then they were the stripling warriors. And, um, we'll talk about it obviously when we get there. But, um, one of the things that I found was, and that we know about faith is that it's not knowledge that it's like a stepping stone to knowledge. It's a seed you, you plant it and then you grow, it grows. Um, but the, the stripling warriors had faith, but one of the things they attribute to their faith and why their faith was so strong is that they say their mothers knew that they were already there um, with that knowledge. And then they taught their sons, making them a formidable, faithful group that experienced this mighty happening where none of them were injured. Um, and that happened because they knew. And I think um, you can really puzzle piece any two scriptures together, but the sons of Mosiah now know their faith is so strong, they know, and now the responsibility is that those who know have to go to those who have do not know they yet, don't know, yeah. who strengthen their faith until everyone knows, until you get a people that knows God. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very give 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 um, com, uh, in, process process. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice save there. <laughs> you had it. Just lost. It was on the back of my tongue. Yeah. Taking a little bit to get there. <laughs> um, okay, so the sons of Mosiah go off, and I, th- I think in a way Mosiah gets to feel a little bit of what God felt when he watches his sons go out, knowing that he'll be okay, but knowing that it hurts him to 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 think of his son suffering and, and leaving him for a while. But uh, th- just a little note that I had, which I thought was funny, is that the... Um, the people of Limhi had brought with them the plates um, that they had found while they were in the land of Lehi-Nephi, which was the record of the Jaredites, which we'll get to very near the end of this podcast. And by the podcast, I mean the lifespan of this podcast, it will be very different or very far in the future. That being, they were all wiped out. They were all dead. They found these plates, brought them back, and they say, we don't know what happened to this place where there's a bunch of skeletons, there's a bunch of rusty breastplates and swords and spears and we want to know what happens and in verse 17 uh, king mosiah is talking to them uh, he goes to translate the plates because he's a seer and it says he did this because of the great anxiety of his people for they were desirous beyond measure to know concerning those people who had been destroyed and we kind of laughed before the episode because <laughs> we know what happens um also before we know when we're just reading the Book of Mormon, we're safe and sound in our beds or our, you know, our recliners. We're, we're okay. But <laughs> how bad it would have been for them to be living in this day and age and then just be like, oh, yeah, there's a massive just graveyard. A huge civilization. Yeah, less than yeah. 10 days from here on foot. And uh, they're all dead. <laughs> and <laughs> and we don't know we don't know why (laughs) yeah um and so it's like ooh, and and they had this anxiety so 
not that it was as probably funny for them. They obviously were anxious about it, but that uh, they didn't know everything. They had uh, fears. They had worries. And they had uh, questions, too, about why there are all those dead bones up there. You know? I guess, I guess they don't have to be dead bones. They're just bones, but it goes without saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, Keen Lim Hai uh, translates the record, and he hears the story of the Jaredites. And I really don't want to say too much besides all. I'll say you need to stick around because Mormon, in his own words, says... It's expedient that all people should know the things which were written on this account, referencing the Jaredites. And so it's very expedient that you stick around and keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> By, and once we Mormon to, says so. Yeah. <laughs> once we get to the end of Ether, then you're good. And there's only one book after Ether. But you might as well tag along might, for yeah, the end. You might as well yeah. tag along for the end. Because it's more, more Mormon and Moroni. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, can you uh, give us a little bit about uh, chapter 13, where King Mosiah um, just shoots the softball down the pitching machine to the people and says, hey, what do y'all think about judges? They said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the importance of that and why he that uh, was. He, well, he asked the people who they want, and yeah. they say Aaron. Yeah. And then he's like, well, Aaron's gone. And he's like, well... And the people are like, oh, well, then they're split on their decision. And he's like, okay, if one, if we pick one of these people, some of you are going to be unhappy and that's going to give contention. But anyway, the part that I was really asking about is like, what's, um, cause King Mosiah says, if you have a king here, the dangers of having a king. Well, pretty much he's, he's like, I don't think being a king is a good idea. So whether he ends, I don't, I, I, I don't know where this comes out of in his mind. I guess it could come from any place, but he just says, listen, guys, I don't think kings are a good idea. What if my son is evil and he's like, hey, I want the kingdom. Then there's going to be a war because half of you going to follow him. Half of you are going to follow the king that I appoint. Mm -hmm. So stop. I'm going to be king for the rest of my days. But after me, judges. Term limits for kings. (laughs) Term limits. (laughs) For Congress. (laughs) It is interesting to see the parallels between the Old Testament and also this during Old Testament times where these different civilizations are wrestling with the idea of kings and judges and how they want to be governed and also just the idea of having a righteous leader or a non-righteous leader and all the things that they have to kind of take into account. But And sometimes they're being oppressed and uh, really don't have a say in how things are going and other times they're kind of starting fresh and are able to institute something like a judge's system and but you see it in both Book of Mormon and the Old Testament which is pretty interesting and also he says um, that hey if every king could be good it would be better for you to have a king basically than judges like it's easier to listen to one person yeah yeah and I'll, yeah yeah for sure that's, a good, that's probably why. And uh, but he says that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, because he just read the record, right? Yeah, he's just read the record of them saying uh, this king was good, his son was really bad, yeah. <laughs> and yep. we had to be humbled. And then, then the next king was okay, but then the next king was righteous, and yeah, he saw. Yeah, for and there were still people alive. I I believe that had seen it too with their own eyes. Yeah, maybe not seen Noah or mm-hmm. seen Zenith, but they had seen 
limb high and the other humbleness the the actions of the Lamites against them. Man, um, if we just had righteous leaders all the time, what a world we'd live in. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. But obviously are we? <laughs> we no. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't really at least in modern times had very much uh righteousness. We but we have had God use people um in positions of leadership and God's definitely able to help people and use leaders to further his work. He can do whatever he wants, but yeah, we, we don't have a whole lot of righteousness in general. So, And in the old Testament, it even talks about God using the Philistines mm-hmm. when he wants, you know, and it's, it's to help correct the Israelites when they're, they're being dumb, but I mean, like they don't have to be righteous to, to be under God's will, you know, which is, a whole different subject, but but we'll get to that when we get to uh, First Kings. <laughs> <laughs> a long, long time from Old now. Old Testament podcast. Yes, twenty twenty three. Here's right. your announcement. Maybe uh. <laughs> <laughs> at this rate, I don't know that we get there on twenty twenty three. We're a third of the way through. Well, we saw the Doctrine and Covenants. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That would be a deep dive. There's a lot of extra stuff you got to read with the Dr. Nico. Oh, boy. Church history. Yikes. It would be... So many volumes. It would be very interesting. We would have to stay dedicated. Yeah. And we'd have to study a lot. It would be so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You can say boring. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Eh, Some of it's not boring. Some of it isn't boring. Yeah. A lot of it's not boring, but... So there's some parts there that are, are like, parts that are just like I don't know if I like that in my church history. <laughs> so uh, King Mosiah has this idea uh, for judges, and the people say, "Sounds good to me." Basically, is what happens. They they like it, and it says that as time goes on, that they they really enjoy. It says in verse fifty eight, they did wax strong and loved toward Mosiah, yea, and they did esteem him more than any other man, and that's probably in part due to his wisdom. As Andrew yeah. was saying. Yeah. It's a good quality to have. <laughs> Be wise. It's kind of funny, though, because, like, you view Mosiah and Solomon as very different people. And one of the characteristics defining both of them is wisdom. But Solomon had maybe only wisdom. <laughs> when, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused. What do you guys think about that? This is getting kind of off topic. What do you guys think? Solomon had wisdom and also 700 concubines? That isn't. He didn't have a lot of discipline. That doesn't seem to be very much wisdom. Maybe he knew what he was doing was wrong the whole time and he was wise about it, but like he just didn't care. I, I'm, Maybe I'm, the most wise is when you do everything wrong and you're like, man, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm I don't wise, know man. if that's very wise. <laughs> I don't know. I, I That's a tough. How did the man with the most wisdom in the world end up so far off the mark? Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. He had enough love, so he had nothing. I don't know. Is that I a quote no from something? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, it's from Paul. When he's, you oh. have not charity, yeah. you're, you have nothing. Okay, it was uh, just phrased in a way yeah, that I was, was like, is that a rom-com? <laughs> <laughs> it's from a Paul Rudd movie. It sounds like <laughs> a Paul Rudd movie. Yeah. Uh, um, hmm. 
I don't know, but I guess we have a while to get to it if we're doing a Doctor and Covenants podcast and an Old Testament podcast. There we go. We have a few years before we have to know the answer. Yeah. We're coming for you last, Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. We want to thank everybody for listening. Um, please feel free to send your comments, questions, your answers to any questions we ask on the podcast. Like and subscribe on your podcast subscription service. And thank you very much. God bless.